RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. The Track Files, Season 3, Episode 7, Enterprise Flight Manual, February 1978. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Welcome back, Star Trek fans, all you background fans, all you canonistas, I say that lovingly, and of course, all you Trekophiles with an F. We have a special show today and a special guest and um, a topic that goes near and dear back to the heart of my early fandom, and uh, we're going to get some inside scoop on uh, a movie era of Trek fandom. We've got a wonderful document <laughs> We're going to focus on part of that today. So take a listen. Of course, you can find that at our at our site on Facebook, at the Trek Files. Follow along, and I'll be right back with our very special guest. Weapons and defense. Practical buttons for actor. Photon torpedoes. One, actor presses button A to activate panel. Two, to load torpedoes, push sliders B up. Light C will turn on. Sliders should be pushed in succession, left to right. When the last slider is at the top, all of the C lights will blink. 3. To fire torpedoes, actor touches button D, dummy. Light E will turn on, and two of light C will go out. All right, fans. Um, <laughs> I forgot to mention the tech heads. That's my affectionate name for the folks like me that, you know, finding Star Trek in your first wave was one thing, and then finding the tech manual and the blueprints and the medical reference and all of that, if you go back to the 70s as a kid, um, was just an awesome time. And then everything changed with the movies, with the motion picture. But yet, it was a whole new realm to dive into. And our guest today is somebody who was there. He's got two Hugo Awards as Best Professional Sci-Fi Artist of the Year. But he's got 14 years in, a lot of you know him, uh, from the Berman era, as we call it now, in the art department as illustrator and and graphics and, and, and conceptualizer. But there was a time when he was originally on the art department crew for the motion picture Rick Sternbach, thank you so much for being here and being part of the Trek Files with hey, us. Hey, thanks for having me. This is great. <laughs> oh, listen, um, uh, I wish we were just getting caught up here a little bit. So, you know, I, I can start off and mention things like design the Voyager, the USS Voyager, design pieces of so many well, alien ships and Starfleet ships, and I had a hand in, you know, DS9 and the, in the movie refit Enterprise and all of that. But our document, this one, is this Enterprise Flight Manual. And for a kid who was really distraught that there was nothing fancy, we'd all been spoiled by the tech manual. Um, We had this whole new Enterprise. We're hungry for information. And then I was shocked, of all places, in the old Roddenberry Lincoln Enterprises catalog to see this. But what's amazing I didn't realize until a few years later was this was a practical done for... um, you had a hand in this. Why don't you tell us the story of the flight manual and uh, and the story of how you got to Trek? Okay. Well, I mean, the the uh, the Enterprise flight manual was really put together by Lee Cole. Uh, she right. was uh, 
uh, she was one of the uh, uh, illustrators on the uh, on the film. Okay, uh, working with uh, Mike Miner, mm-hmm. um, uh, who I, I, I miss terribly to this day, um, and uh, uh, Mike Miner and Lee and myself uh, were in the art department uh, 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 over the top of stages eight and nine, where <laughs> it ended up again for Next, Next Generation, Generation yeah. and, and a lot of the films. Uh, and Voyager. Uh, yeah, and Voyager, sure. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know uh, the the story I think that that uh, Lee had told me back in the day was uh, uh, she had uh, she had actually worked uh, with uh, North American Rockwell on the B one bomber mm. uh, on things like uh, human factors uh, cockpit control uh, placements and things like that. Um, and uh, you know, so so I'm not surprised that Lee was able to put this this flight manual together, uh, and a lot of it was uh, you know for the benefit of the actors, with right. the different uh, control stations around the bridge, um, and uh, which buttons would activate which blinky lights. Right, practicals. Uh, uh, yeah, really. Practical um, now. The uh, you know the designs for the control panels, um, you know uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of the the control panel graphics were done in pen and ink, okay, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, on a hot press illustration board. Uh, I had done things like that years before uh, with uh, uh, rapidograph pens. Uh, you, you know, triangles, T-squares, uh, uh, masking mm-hmm, tape, and mm-hmm. all that sort of thing. So all of these, all of the graphics that you see, um, you know, there would be hexagons and circles and, and uh, 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 you know, uh, vertical... These ovals and vertical tape, yeah. Vertical tape graphs uh, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Those were all done with uh, pen and ink and rub-on lettering. And some um, some lettering that had been phototype set. Okay, we're we, talking pre-digital. In other oh, words. you're talking. <laughs> of course, oh, we are. God, now yeah, let me yeah. let me set the stage here a little bit. Yeah. So, like everything else with the motion picture, the motion picture was all about. Oh my God! This little dead three-year show became this huge thing, and by way of bringing it back, reviving it. Through all the iterations of the 70s with the movies that didn't happen and then with the phase, later called Phase 2 TV show, which, you know, the pilot became the motion picture. Through all mm-hmm. of that, the expectation was by scope, cinematography, visual effects, writing, everything about it, costuming and props and sets and set decoration and everything about it. It's a movie now. And, and as much as the original series was beloved, people wanted to bring... Uh, a widescreen presence to it. And mm-hmm. part of that was no more jelly buttons, no more um, Christmas lights, right. no more plywood right. sets. We're going we're gonna to upgrade mm-hmm. the look mm-hmm. and feel. And we have this, at that time, we have the excuse of, well, it's been a couple of years since you saw it on TV and it's had a whole refit. So we're okay on right. <laughs> what now we would call changing canon looks. So the idea was that, but also there was this expectation. I mean, it's amazing, this flight manual, that, that all these practicals were built in because it wasn't like they built this for one movie. There was expectation of building something to last, right? I mean, I, I, I suspect so. Yeah. Well, you you thumb to the pages of this, and every mm-hmm. console has practical effects that right. need explanation. So it's not like we're not going to use all of this. And I mean, the extras in the side 
consoles might be doing something to, to bright up the scene, but... Yeah. It feels like this was built with the expectation of being reused over and over again, like this I, was the first I, of many I, movies. I think, I think you're absolutely right. And one thing I can tell you about this... Because they were talking about cost as well as time and everything right, up front. Right. Um, uh, with, uh, with the control panels, as we were you know, getting them, them uh, drawn up and shot on uh, high-contrast film... And uh, attached to the you know the cover uh, the the cover plastic the the plexi that uh, became the you know the the, the black smooth plexi mm-hmm. surfaces okay um, all of that stuff had to be backlit all right either either an entire screen backlit with a single light. Um, or in the case uh, you know we're talking about these uh, these weapon controls. Uh, a lot of the controls were actually wired up with real buttons, uh, no toggle switches. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, you know you would like you would expect to see on an air, on an aircraft right. or, or a spacecraft. Um, there were there were actually some touch sensitive uh, buttons on the panel. Okay, that uh, if you if you touched these two little. Um, uh, brass spots with your finger, it would make a light activate. Oh, yeah. Okay, so they actually worked in some some pretty decent tech into the control panels. Now down on stage, okay, uh, Alex Weldon was the guy who was in charge of uh, uh, stage effects. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he and his crew of uh, um, were they were uh, creating the light boxes. Uh, for the for the lighting behind the control panels, right. uh, any 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 controls that were single lights that had to flash on and off uh, were isolated uh, within little boxes. Uh, now, one of the interesting things that I don't think many people know is that we had to adhere on some of these control panels to a one inch grid. And they were using things like uh, fluorescent fixture uh, light diffusers, and cutting those up and putting those underneath the uh, the plexi panels, okay, to isolate the lamps. So, so when I was doing my, uh, you know, graphics, so there wouldn't been bleed over from the lamp, right, like right, little, yeah, like exactly. a little uh, fence around the light, basically, exactly, right. the light exactly. bulb, yeah. Um, so when when uh, so we only light up a certain little tiny area of the console, it wouldn't bleed over three, right, right. Three so when Lee and I were doing our our uh, our uh, um, original ink graphics, okay, we gridded off the the illustration board. Okay, like with blue pencil. Mm-hmm. Okay, and we had to uh, we had to, to ink in, um, you know, like a solid black shape where where it would turn clear when they shot the photo negative. So uh, there were all of these right. steps, uh, you know, from original artwork to uh, you know high contrast photo negatives that had to be shot. I think they were either shot on the lot or at Continental Graphics. Couple of blocks away, uh, we'd get all that stuff. The guys down on stage would, uh, you know, would slice up the uh, artwork, uh, attach it to these these panels, install the lights, uh, wire everything up, and then install them on the bridge. Uh, what what I did was a tiny tiny step in this yeah. huge process 
to get a control panel, uh, you, you know, uh, a working station like Chekhov's weapon station, uh, or uh, um, you know, the I mean, science. Spock, yeah, the way it turned Spock out, science station. I was going to say Spock's science station and the weapon yeah. station kind yeah. of got the, the the only really close up treatment. You saw a little bit of the helm for Ilya and Sulu and. Uh, and there were lights going. A little bit of Uhura's. There were lights right. going, like, you know, all the right. time. Right. Uh, uh, blinkies. Um, uh, and the fact that this document tells you how everything worked was, you know, it's an, it's an astounding uh, uh, well, tribute to, to Lee's, uh, Lee Cole's, uh, uh, you know, uh, um, abilities, to, you know, to, to, to take the tech that, we all kind of understood and apply it to, uh, you know, a big deal motion picture. Well, that's what that's what astounded me because you saw the first. There was this huge wave of licensed products, and oh, no tech manual. No, you know, there was the chronology that you did artwork for the spaceflight chrono. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, within the first year or two, but mm-hmm. I mean that mm-hmm. first wave. But nothing that was going to replace. You're thinking, okay, and as we kind of realize, well, Franz Joseph did it after he did the tech manual after the fact. I mean, there's a lot of act, but this was, uh, oh look, it's tech. Oh look at all the consoles, everything you couldn't read if you were a tech nerd, if you were whatever, you couldn't read the panels and the consoles, right. and you could tell you'd get a sweeping <laughs> glimpse of things. No, look, there's unlike yeah. the original series, these things are labeled. Look, there's labels everywhere. <laughs> there's, I want to know what that says. That's and, and then this turned up in of all places, not a professional book, but oh my god. So I, and again, it's done practical as for the directors and the actors to know how to how to work things. I can imagine Majel at some point sweeping through and going, "Oh, I can sell this. <laughs> Fans will buy this," and it almost being a happy accident. But well, but so, it's, a, it's a nice thing that the fans were able to to see, you know, uh, all of these uh, behind the scenes sorts of things that we were doing. Uh, you know, yeah. and they they followed. Uh, you know, they followed everything we've done uh, ever since. So let's talk real quick. So there's a lot of names yeah. on the front here. Mm-hmm. Joe Jennings gave way to Harold Michelson. Here's Lee Cole's name on right. the on the original front of this mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. it was dumbed down later. Uh, Lou Spittlegerber, Split Splitgerber. Uh, Lou Splitgerber was uh, one of our uh, set designers. Dan Maltese and you. Dan, Danny Maltese was a set so designer. So tell us real quick how yeah. this how this Mr. Uh, Hugo Award two time <laughs> Hugo Award winner back east. Can you tell? You told me the story of how you met Gene. Okay, uh, I'll, I'll make this a real compressed timeline here. Um, I was living in uh, Connecticut. Um, and uh, I had already put in a couple of years as a uh, uh, science fiction illustrator. Uh, mm-hmm. I was also doing real space uh, illustrations for things like Astronomy Magazine. Um, and I noticed in the newspaper there was this little item in there. Gene Roddenberry's coming to Yale University to show the cage. As he did in the 70s. Yeah. And uh, this, was, this was 1974. And I looked at this, this little item in the paper. And I said, oh, no, could I really, like, call Paramount and arrange to maybe meet him afterwards? Because we're in the middle of the, he's working on the PAX movies, the animateds are going. Mm-hmm. It's common knowledge that he's trying to get, there's the talk and the buzz oh, he is was, he's trying he to get was, a movie. He was hoping to get a movie together or right. a second TV show. Right. Um, so that's where we are. And so I cold called, I cold called Paramount. <laughs> And I don't recall exactly who I spoke to, but I, I, I you know, I said, you know, hi, I'm, I'm Rick Sternbeck. I've, uh, I'm an illustrator here on the East Coast, and uh, I've done science fiction and, and space uh, art. 
Uh, can I maybe meet with Gene for a few minutes? This is three years before your Hugo, your first Hugo. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you yeah. can't even say I'm a Hugo winning. No, artist. no, no. Right. I, was, okay. I, was, uh, I was just. Uh, You're totally spitballing this. Uh, wow. Well. But, I, you know, I had done a number of, uh, uh, you know, I thought they were well, right. nice pro- illustrations. Professional, you know, but yeah. I mean, you didn't yeah. have a marquee thing that here's why I'm calling. No, no, no. And I, was who still, am I? I was still building up, uh, you know, as, uh, all of the, the book and magazine right. illustrations that I was doing. So they hung up on okay. you. No. Gene <laughs> um, uh, agreed to meet me after the screening. Uh, and I thought, okay, maybe I'd get you know 15 minutes to, to, to talk to him about uh, his future projects, and uh, uh, it turned into like two hours, two and a half hours. Um, but it, 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 you know, people have to realize this was only a couple of years after the right. last moon landing. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, Skylab had done its thing. Uh, the Apollo Soyuz test project hadn't even happened yet. Um, and, you know, uh, Gene and I talked about, uh, uh, you know, prospects for film and TV yeah. uh, things. Well, so I was going to say, so we, you're back east, and then what did you do? Decide to try, try your... Well, between, nothing ni- was happening. between 1974 and 1977, when I, I made a trip out to L.A., um, I, had, uh, I had seen uh, some artwork at the uh, World SFCon in... Kansas City mm-hmm. in 76. A whole room full of Ralph McQuarrie's art for Star Wars. In 76. Oh, in 76. Right. And the year before it hit the screen, hit right. the world. Oh, oh the, the film hadn't even come out. Yeah, yeah. So they were still ahead. working on post-production. Yeah. And here's this little exhibition room, and they have costumes, and Mark Hamill is there, and uh, uh, Gary Kurtz, the producer. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and... Uh, Prints of all of Ralph's pre-production art was all around the room, and I just I sat there with my mouth open. <laughs> I, and I said, I wonder, you know, is could it work? Could it be mm-hmm. possible? Could I make the migration from Connecticut to California? Well, that eventually did happen. Okay, uh, you know, I made a I made sort of a test trip late in '77. I met with the folks at Paramount who were doing Phase Two. Mm-hmm. I met with Joe Jennings, production who designer, was the production designer, head of the art department, right? Uh, Mike Miner, wonderful illustrator. Uh, you know, Mike knew science fiction. He yeah. understood this stuff. The late great Mike Miner. The, uh, Mike, I, I miss him. I miss him terribly. Um, and uh, at, at the time, Joe Jennings said, you know, I don't have anything for you. They were still kind of playing with the TV show. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, fast forward, you know, f- five or six months. And uh, <laughs> Joe Jennings calls me. They're announcing the feature in the morning. Do you want to come in? And your answer. And my answer <laughs> was, my answer was, Absolutely, yes. So the next morning, they had the uh, uh, press conference. The press thing yeah, on, with on, the big on, on the stage. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I sat there, and, you know, the I, I was I was a, a relative newbie in, you know, in, in the area of film or TV mm-hmm. work. Um, so we went back upstairs afterwards, and... Uh, 
you know, I, I, I had the job. Over eight and nine. I, were you, over, were you over the top of eight and nine. Now, Stage the, eight and nine. The, the art department hadn't been filled up yet with any, you know, anything. Yeah. So we were just going to start to move in there. Uh, and one little story that I've told maybe once or twice, Mike Miner and I found a couple of boxes up in the art department, mm-hmm. okay, which was still empty. We hadn't all moved in yet. A couple of boxes. Some models from the Planet of Titans. Uh-huh. So some rough models of the starships were in these the boxes. cardboard, tube cardboard yeah, rough outs. Yeah. yeah. I held them in my hands. <laughs> um, a, a lot of... Um, um, a lot of artwork from uh, um, Macquarie, mm-hmm. okay, and Ken Adam. Oh my God, they're prints of of Ken Adams. You know, uh, just these bold black slashes of, of uh, yeah. like a, a charcoal or ink or something, and, and these wonderful uh, uh, illustrations. Uh, and there was that uh, that one painting of the Enterprise heading into an asteroid mm-hmm. base. His angular, okay. sharp one that's right. wound up inspiring discovery. Exactly. Yeah. And this painting, it was the original painting. And I'm thinking, no, I'm not going to walk off with this. No, 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 no. <laughs> well, it eventually got back to Ralph. Uh, and and there were there were um, uh, uh, there were, were marker drawings of uh, like Starfleet headquarters and things like that. And all of these, all of these bits of art from the the you know canceled production were right there. <laughs> okay, you and this your, you missed your shot. Now this was a Friday afternoon. Uh huh. Okay, Monday morning, it was all gone. <laughs> Somebody had come in and cleared all of that stuff out for good or uh, ill. Uh, no, well, like as I say, Ralph Ralph McCurry got, okay. got okay. his original stuff back, so that that was a wonderful thing. But you know, I had no chance to like go in there and take pictures or any of this. Okay, well, they ended up they ended up at at auction, right? Much much later, right? Um, but we got you know, it was a brush with greatness. It was <laughs> it was this this bit of history, and it was all downhill from there for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I t- no, I'm, I, again, I'm looking at the names here. So you had all these months. Um, the, the I know you were kind of going, eh, on your illustrations for the chronology, but the 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 graphics that you did, the, the sticker book, right? Well, the sticker book again with the, from those was, graphics from the motion that, that was mostly uh, Lee's doing. Okay. okay, but I contributed a number of designs that uh, that, that got worked into these these little uh, you know self adhesive uh, uh, stickers. Um, well, that was a, but and, and the yeah. stickers were fun. The control panels were fun, uh, and uh, it was uh, for me. It was like you know five months of nonstop work. You know, we were working on all of these different sets. Uh, I di- I did mostly control panels and signage. Okay. Well, that's the coolest stuff. So, well, yeah. <laughs> Who cares but, about chairs and but, desks? But, you know, you I, was also, I was also kind of like a utility player. Right, where right. I, I could, there I was could, a hierarchy. I could talk to Harold Michelson, who was a, just the most astounding teacher. Uh, and uh, uh, just one quick little example. Uh, when it came time to, uh, to come up with a color scheme for the bridge, 
Okay, I, I'm sitting, I was doodling, I had some markers and, and some of my pens and pencils and things, and I'm looking at, at the, the bridge and how the control stations were divided by these little uh, borders right. all around. And I said, Harold, what if we made like the overall color, uh, you know, whatever color you pick, one overall light color and then the next division inward would be a slightly darker shade and then the color surrounding the uh, uh, displays, okay, all of those uh, those uh, film loop displays that were that were animating, okay, yeah, a little make that the darkest shade. So it would be a three-step uh, color scheme. Okay, he loved it. He loved that. So and then I went back to work, right. you know, doing what I, whatever I did. Sign. So every so often I would I would come up with you know some little flash and and run it by him yeah every now and then I would bring up you know ideas with Mike Miner and uh, you know since Mike was uh, sort of a kindred spirit with science fiction you know we could look at the magazines and we could look at uh, well Mike uh, Miner who designed the Tholian and did the Tholian web effect third season Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Uh, I mean, had been a had been a Boy Wonder Trek fan back then. Oh, and exactly. Was living exactly. his dream too. But you know, yeah. Mike and I could talk about uh, you know various various bits and pieces that uh, you know maybe the set designers could draw up, the carpenters could build, the painters could paint, and we'd get it you know done. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, one th- the uh, the uh, ceiling of the bridge that had all those multiple veins, mm-hmm. we got that idea from looking at the front of a jet engine. Okay, mm-hmm. so inspiration comes from like all over the place, and we had a great time doing that. Well, again, this the, back to our flight manual document yes. here. So Lee did almost all of this. She designed the panels, but then she took it upon herself. What started off as a glorified instruction manual to actors and directors turned into this really detailed, here's what, here's how it would be for anybody. Mm-hmm. How did you, but then this is definitely your writing here on page. I, I got uh, to do, I got to do the, uh, the revised uh, weapon station. So weapons and defense, there was yeah. a revision. It was originally that, that sphere. It was, a, it was a sphere with an XY sort of light up uh, arm that would, that would travel around. Uh, and they 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 wanted to um, you know they want they wanted to go with something a little bit more um, maybe not angular but uh, something that had a few more uh, more, uh, more sleek sleek uh, um, you know there were there were design things that were happening uh, to bring all of the sets up to date uh, from phase two uh, you know yeah. we, the uh, you know the corridors well, all changed. Right. Okay. Did, did, did these major, this, like this bridge design, there's engineering here too, but did this bridge design that was phase two's bridge started that way? Did it change? Did this group working, was that the phase two art department? Did that pretty much hold over? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Uh, but again, when we started in on the feature uh, improvements, revisions, um uh, you know all of these new uh, uh, shapes for things like uh, uh, Chekhov's uh, main control panel. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know weren't there before, but they they got added in. Okay, and some things got moved around the bridge from one side to the other. Um, some things were simplified, uh, and uh, so, you know we just we just you okay. know you know 
built this up, uh, you know, as, as, as fast as we could. So your living footprint here in the, in the flight manual is uh, all of Lee's typing and some of her handwriting, but on weapons and defense, that's your... That's yeah, definitely that was, that was, anybody who's familiar with a Sternbach prop <laughs> sketch knows that writing. Yeah, yeah. Only this—it looks very young yeah. at this stage, but it was. Well, uh, Rick, this is this is amazing. Let's—you know—it it was hardly the end of the road for you in Star Trek, as we all know. But just shedding a little bit of light on that time in the movie, and uh, maybe we can talk about the. I would love to have you back, is what I'm trying to say, and talk about some of these other aspects. You bet. I hope you'll be back with us. This has been a delight, and uh, we're just scratching the surface here, as we do with. I say that with everyone, but it's always true. People say, "Are you? Is there ever going to? Are you ever going to run out of Star Trek to talk about, or to uncover, or preserve?" And the answer is no. <laughs> There's simply too much. There's so of many it. decades of it. There's so many decades of it, and so much that's not out there yet. But thank you for helping us shedding a little more light on this corner. Terrific. The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Additional production by Ken Ray. All these documents are available at facebook.com slash thetrekfiles. For more great podcasts, check out podcast.roddenberry.com. And for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek and Portal 47. That's me at larrynimacek.com. Trek well, everybody. podcast.roddenberry.com, the Roddenberry Podcast Network.